Welcome to the KBB Review Podcast. I'm Managing Editor Andy Davis, and this is episode four of season three. I'm still up here in my loft, but as we pass yet another roadmap milestone, it's looking more and more likely that I may be able to descend my ladder for good. Hopefully my other half has been watching the news and will come and let me out. I'll be honest, it's starting to smell a bit up here. We're talking sustainability this week. In particular, we're asking if it's possible to be a successful kitchen retailer and be as kind to the environment as possible. We meet Rob Cole and hear the fascinating story of his company, Sheffield Sustainable Kitchens. It's inspiring, it's eye-opening, and above all else, it's a realistic view of what's possible. So don't miss it. But first... As always, a lot of you are still listening to this podcast every week via your browser... I'm very grateful for your ears, of course, but I promise you that a much better way of tuning in is via a podcast app on your phone, such as Apple Podcasts. It means you can listen walking the dog, in the gym, sat eating pastries indoors in a coffee shop, or driving to wherever it is you're going. It also means you have access to all the previous episodes, and new ones appear automatically. And don't be put off by the word subscribe, it's all free and simply means pressing a button. Search KBB Review, or one word, and you'll find us. Now, sustainability is, out of necessity, of course, a big part of all our lives. Many would say the lives of future generations depend on it. So let's talk now to someone putting it at the heart of their business, and that's Rob Cole of Sheffield Sustainable Kitchens. Hello, Rob. Hi there. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you, yeah. Now, I'm a lazy podcast host, Rob. I'll confess it to you. I do love a business that has a sort of catchphrase, say-what-you-see approach to their name. I like the fact that you do what you say on the tin. Where are you? I'm in Sheffield. What do you do? We do sustainable kitchens. I I like that. It's a a good start. We like to try and keep it simple. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's such an interesting business. So let's start, though, with the background. Tell us all about how you got started and how you got to where you are. So business has been running for about 13 and a half years at this point in time. Before I started the business, I was actually fitting kitchens for other companies and just getting increasingly frustrated with things like the waste you know, there seemed to be an attitude back at that point of just pulling out a perfectly good kitchen and chucking it in a skip and then putting something in that often wasn't even as good quality as what had been pulled out. And this just seemed crazy idea to me. So we looked at how we could do things differently initially with um, the materials we were using. So trying to use a lot of high recycled content materials. So sort of working with that circular economy idea where we're turning something that was seen as waste into something that's actually new and, and really good quality. And then um, trying to, to build into yeah, the quality into everything we do so that everything we build is going to last for a really long time because we felt that was really important. I mean, 13 and a half years ago, it's not that long ago, but it's still a pretty radical idea that to build a business on that uh, as a principle. I guess it was radical. It, it probably didn't feel that radical in some ways at the time. I, I, you know, Sustainability was something that was already important to me back at that point, hence I sort of built it into the business name. But it didn't, fe- it didn't feel that crazy. It felt like we were sort of breaking new ground with some of the materials we were using and the approaches we were taking. But to me, it didn't feel radical. But I guess maybe in the wider industry, maybe it was, yeah. Yeah, and of course now it's it's such at the forefront of everything now. But you know, pandemic aside, obviously. So, look, can you give us give us some detail on on what what exactly it is that makes your kitchens sustainable, right? Because it's a word that has very broad meaning, and you know is used a lot to describe a lot of things. So, what are you doing that others aren't? So, there's a few sides to this for us, as you might imagine. So, we'll start with the materials that we use. Um, so I mentioned that we use a lot of high recycled content materials. So our cabinets are made from, uh, our standard cabinet is made from a board that's made from 100% recycled timber. 
as far as we know, we're the only people at the moment using that in the UK. Although I think we'll see that change over the next few years. I think we'll see more of the chipboard suppliers and things like that offering a, a more, more of a range of recycled products. And then we use a lot of interesting sort of other, other recycled materials. So we use some recycled glass worktops. So that's crushed up glass that's then set into a resin. So a really beautiful alternative to, to quartz or granite, really hard wearing, but absolutely beautiful uh, product and diverting, you know, glass waste from landfill, which is a great thing. And then we use some interesting recycled paper products. So a, a product called Richlight, which we use for worktops, sometimes for doors. And there's various other similar sort of products around, along those sort of that same area. Some interesting recycled timber products for worktops and flooring as well. On top of the sort of high recycled content stuff, um, we all also use a lot of local timber and also a lot of reclaimed timber. So old school science lab benches, we will buy those in in bulk and then turn those into, you know, clean, clean them up, plane them down, turn them into new worktops, shelving, sometimes handles, all sorts of stuff. And that's beautiful hardwood timbers, um, usually Iroko or sometimes teak even, which look absolutely fantastic. Um, it often comes into us covered in graffiti, you know, burn marks, scratches from uh, the, the children at school have, uh, have had a go at them. Uh, and then we'll uh, we'll turn those uh, turn those around, you know, clean them up and send them back out to site, looking like a beautiful new bit of timber that's going to have a whole new lease of life. You know, it might have been around for forty years already, and it's probably going to get another good forty years or more in its new life as well. You're looking obviously at the materials, recycling existing things, as you say, and, and what about logistics and you know transportation and that kind of thing? How, how closely are you uh, looking at these things? And if someone wants to supply you, what kind of rigorous grilling do you do you give them before you say yes? Yeah, so we've got um, we've got a sort of little questionnaire that we put out to suppliers, and we do some of this, uh, some sort of marking ourselves on this as well. And generally, we're looking at trying to reduce mileage of the things of travel. So if we've got an option to use a local supplier over someone who's further afield, then we will always go for the the local supplier, even if there's a slight cost differential on that, because um, we feel that's the right thing to be doing. I think that's also supporting local economy as well. We also try we try and be quite clever about how we get stuff transported to us. So if we can stack up deliveries and get multiple things delivered at one time. Obviously, that reduces the number of journeys that the supplier is making to get things to us. Um, so we'll hold a bit more stuff in stock sometimes in order to do that as well. And we ask them about you know, what what they're doing in their businesses um, from a sustainability point of view. Um, so currently, our, all of our um, transportation, we've got five out of our six vehicles are actually fully electric. So those are you know, no, no uh, nasty emissions from any of those. And we're running those on green electricity as well. So nice and clean and, you know, reducing a lot of CO2 as a, as off the back of that as well. And we try and work with our other spies to try and encourage them to do the same sort of stuff, I suppose, on that really. And as far as legislation and, you know, rules and regulations and, and help, is there official help that you can get to help you run this kind of business? Where do you go to get this information just in, 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 the, in the general broad running of a business? In some ways, I think there's actually quite a lot of legislation in place already for larger businesses when it comes to sustainability. I think there's a lot less for um, for smaller businesses now. But certainly in Sheffield, there's a few different organisations that we work with um, from a support point of view. We work with Sheffield Chamber, who are, who are getting quite keen on sort of looking at sustainability and helping support sustainability. But I also chair another organisation that I helped found called Sheffield Sustainability Network, which is all completely aimed at supporting businesses to help reduce their carbon footprints. 
So looking at all the different areas of business and trying to run training sessions and things like that for the businesses, uh, looking at whether it's waste or energy or transportation, and trying to help them understand where they can make changes and improvements within their their businesses as well. So I think the, the council is also also does offer some some support as well, but I think it's worth approaching you know local chamber local councils um, wherever people are and actually you know trying to ask about that support and also having a having a hunt around and seeing if there's uh, organizations similar to Sheffield Sustainability Network out there as well. I mean this is all fantastic stuff Rob and there'd be nobody who would disagree with anything that, that you're doing of course not but you know is there money in it I mean how is business for you at the moment? Um, business is fantastic actually yeah we've never been busier we've grown dramatically in the last 12 months um, we've we've almost doubled our um, our staff number in exactly 12 months which is absolutely phenomenal in, in the times we're in I mean I think the, a lot of the industry is doing okay actually out of the the COVID crisis but it's been a pretty challenging 12 months all the same I think but we couldn't really be in a better position than we are at the moment we're, we're continuing to grow our inquiries every month and we're continuing to grow the you know the turnover as well, and I think we've seen quite a lot of change over the time we've, the the business has been going. I think when I first set up the business, it was a real mix. Some people definitely were coming to us because they were the the sustainability side of things were important to them. Some were were less bothered, and you know we maybe just shouted about it a bit less for them. But we've seen a massive shift, and as time's gone on, more and more people are talking about it with us, and we're having more conversations about you know what we're doing, why we're doing these different bits and bobs. And I think the landscape of sustainability and business has changed dramatically. And I think businesses who aren't doing anything about sustainability sooner or later are going to get left behind in the same way that those that didn't get involved in the internet quick enough got left behind in the end. It's essential for business, I say, I would say, going forward to be doing the right thing on this. And that's not just playing, you know, not just saying the right thing, but actually following it up because we're finding consumers are more and more informed, better informed as time goes on. And, you know, are asking the right questions and really understand the questions they're asking on sustainability. And we'll see, you know, we'll see some greenwash for what it is very rapidly, I think, as well. That's such an interesting parallel, though, to compare it to a, a dot-com boom, because you're absolutely right, isn't it? It's almost like a little gold rush here to, to, to capture something that is, is so in the zeitgeist at the moment in the way that it perhaps hasn't been as much before. Uh, and people just expect to see this as part of their everyday retail experience now much more. And I, and I guess all, everyone, like, particularly with kitchens, I think, they like to have a story to tell. When people come round, yeah, it's almost like a bragging rights thing, isn't there? People like to be able to tell the story of that thing. Oh, yes, this was a school desk that came from a, you know, they like that idea, don't they? Absolutely, they do. And like, you know, where there's where there's a story with materials, um, it, it's fantastic. I and mean, we've had some fantastic ones over the years. So we, we built a kitchen almost entirely out of um, beautiful reclaimed oak that used to be the bottoms of Belgian railway wagons. And it looked horrendous when it came into it. It was just dirty, sort of grotty, dark brown stuff. Once we then planed it down underneath, it was just absolutely, you know, the most beautiful timber with fantastic character. And you can't beat a story like that. You know, we love that story. The clients love that story. And they tell that again and again to their friends. So I think there's some yeah, real potential gains. And I think to go back to what you were saying about the dot-com boom, it, I think with sustainability as well, the early adopters, like ourselves, I think are, are doing well out of this. And I think, you know, the sooner people get on the bandwagon, the better they'll do out of it. I think the longer people leave it, I think the more risk there is that that's going to be damaging to business. Does this sustainability have to come with a price tag? I mean, I, you know, is this something that the clients see as value for money? 
the vast majority of clients are willing to pay for these things. And I think the more and more companies that move over to the to the, to the more sustainable approaches, actually the the better value these these materials will likely become in some in some cases as well. You know, the more demand there is for the the better raw materials, the more quickly the the shift will take place to those materials. And then the better value it will be across for everyone, really. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because at my decrepit age of now 49, you know, I can remember a time when this wasn't a thing. Like I can remember a time before the internet, right? But there's a whole generation coming through now who, who, who don't know what it's like to not have this as part of their lives in the way that the internet is. They don't know what it's like to not have a recycling bin out you know, to, that they have to put things into uh, and that, that sustainability and the environment and greenness is not just a part of everyday conversation. And they're the ones who are now the consumers. Absolutely. And they will, they will drive the change. And yeah, I think you know, we need to listen to them because they are, they are the future as well. I believe the children are, are our future, Rob. Treat them well, let them lead the way. I mean, are you quite happy sort of mining this as a bit of a niche? Or are you really keen to see the kitchen furniture market as a whole embrace more of this philosophy so that I guess, you know, eventually you can just call yourself Sheffield Kitchens? Like the sustainable bits just taken for granted. Absolutely, yeah. And I think, you know, I, I would love for that to be the way things would go. Obviously, from, you know, my, my business point of view, when we started out, we were definitely the niche. There was, you know, and I think we started the business just before the 2008 sort of financial crash hit and impacted. And we sort of weathered that storm. And I think actually one of the reasons we weathered that storm quite well is that we did have this, you know, unique selling point of sustainability, which wasn't really out there very much at the moment. But yeah, I would love for every other kitchen firm in the in the country to take this on. And I'm not worried that that's going to damage our business because I think we've got some other unique selling points. And, you know, the way we approach design, the way we approach quality, and we've got a certain, you know, I think we've got a certain flair for design within the business as well and a certain eye for things. And I, I think that will always do well for us. So even once everyone else is, uh, you know, a few years from now, hopefully everyone's doing uh, unique, you know, fantastic and interesting sustainable kitchens. I don't think I don't think that's going to be a problem for for us still winning work. No, there's nothing worthy in the kitchens that you make, if you know what I mean. They are very nice looking, you know, really good looking kitchens. And even if you don't want to tell the story, you've got a very nice kitchen. Absolutely. And like, like I said, in the in the early days, I think certainly some of the clients just weren't that bothered. And we just didn't shout too hard about the sustainable credentials for it. But they still got a fantastically sustainable kitchen for them. Their driving factors might have been the design or the layout or the, you know, other other factors rather than sustainability. But they still got that fantastically sustainable kitchen. And what about the, the, the kitchen market as a whole again? Yeah, if you had to give it a mark out of 10 for its green credentials here, what, what would you give it? I think it's a really hard question to answer. I think there's a lot of elements that need more th- thought from the industry. And I think there's a lot of easy options that, that get used that aren't very eco and that, you know, like let's take granite, for example, that's getting, you know, shipped in from the far side of the world and might have some, you know, ethical queries around it as well. It's very cheap, often, and easy to put some of that stuff in and not think about the impact of it. And I think we need to do a lot better on that. So, you know, I'd probably be looking at somewhere under five out of 10, to be honest, for the industry as a whole. But I think that's changing really rapidly as well. And, you know, every few months, I'm noticing new things from other businesses that, you know, are clearly starting to think a bit more about this. And I think that's a really positive and exciting thing to be part of. And what about changes in design itself so you can talk about the materials that it's made from and the logistics of, of transporting it all over the world etc etc but you know people's lifestyles are changing one of the things that's come through the pandemic for example is people might buy in bulk they might want to buy things without any packaging they might want to uh, buy things that they can use again and again and all these things need to be put somewhere absolutely 
I'm not seeing a huge change in in the, in the physical design of kitchens to to accommodate those kind of changes in the way the consumer works. I think some of that stuff is quite subtle and not necessarily hugely visible. I think clients are thinking about that sort of stuff differently, and certainly we you know we we get bits and pieces in conversations we're having with clients, but it might be quite subtle. You know, it might be that you know we want a bit of extra storage space over here in the kitchen for to store these large containers for flour or you know cleaning products or whatever. Um, so we are having conversations like that with people, but I suppose it's they're not necessarily having a big impact on the you know we're still selling them cabinets with shelves and things like that for some of those things or drawers or whatever. So it's not necessarily as visible, but I think there is a shift happening in the way people are thinking about using those spaces. One of the other key things that we've noticed is multi-use spaces. So it's not now just a kitchen dining space; it's a kitchen dining space that actually, for part of the day, might be an office. And, you know, might have the kids, you know, might have had the kids homeschooling at points in there over the last 12 months. You know, who knows? We may need to go back to that again as, as the year. Oh, don't say that, Rob. Don't <laughs> say that. Honestly, please Things don't say that. Alone. But I think we've we've noticed a real shift in how people are, are thinking about the home as a whole and what they're wanting out of their home. And that, that does impact on the design. That does impact on how we think about the broader space and how it's going to get used as well. You've got such a fantastic story to tell, Rob, and I think, as again, you were, you were in at the ground floor of something that is now a big part of the conversation that's happening, and you're there leading the way. So, look, thank you so much for sparing us a bit of time to run us very quickly through your story. We will come back to you, I'm sure, again and again with to, to watch how this goes. But for now, keep leading the way, and we'll catch up again soon. Thanks very much, Andrew. Cheers. That was Rob Cole and Sheffield Sustainable Kitchens. You really do get the feeling that he might be at the forefront of a consumer demand that is only going to get bigger and bigger. So definitely one to watch. So big thanks to Rob. Don't forget to subscribe and maybe even leave us a nice review. I'll see you next time. Yeah.